The California Bay Area earthquake of 1989. The Northridge earthquake of 1994. The Ridgecrest earthquake of 2019. What do these natural disasters have to do with healthcare? Welcome to the Transformative Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Chobatar. I serve as publisher and editor-in-chief of Advent Health Press. We're trying something a bit different with this series. Often podcasts are created after a book is released. This time, we're going to share the book's concepts as a work in progress before they're published. Our authors are Dr. Jeffrey Kuhlman, Senior Vice President and Chief Quality and Safety Officer for Advent Health Orlando, and Daniel Peach, who serves as Director of Clinical Transformation at Advent Health Orlando. Our podcast today is entitled, There Are More Earthquakes Coming. Now let's join Jeffrey Kuhlman and Daniel Peach as they discuss empowerment, earthquakes, and chefs versus scientists. It seems like yesterday, October 17, 1989, I was watching the pregame of the World Series uh, between the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's. Noticed that uh, the monitor, the TV monitor started to shake a little bit, uh, started to go fuzzy, and then boom, the screen went black. What we later found out was a strong earthquake had uh, shaken the, the Bay Area of California. Uh, the earthquake had triggered fires, collapsed bridges, and crumbled some homes. Uh, nearly 4,000 people were injured, 63 people um, died, and there was a conservative estimate of at least $5 billion in damages to buildings. Right. Um, the World Series itself was put on hold, postponed for about 10 days. Uh, that earthquake um, measured 6.9 on the Richter scale. About five years later, in Southern California, um, a 6.7 earthquake hit the Northridge area. Again, Northridge had um, extensive damage, billions of dollars, and at least 57 people um, died. Fast forward uh, three decades to this year. This year in Southern California, up in the uh, towards the high desert, around on Fourth of July, there were a series of strong earthquakes that rolled through uh, Southern California. The strongest one measured 7.1 on the Richter scale. Right. Um, despite being stronger than the other earthquakes. Uh, no deaths were reported and the damage was less severe. Um, what was the difference? Well, besides the obvious that the density population of the two different um, earthquake locations were different, the construction uh, engineers, the government leaders had actually learned how to um, create better building codes and make buildings, homes with firmer foundations, stronger pipelines, and better flexibility so that the buildings themselves can move um, with the moment. So there was, there was a learning process that went on there. And it, it's interesting because I think in some respects, within healthcare, we're seeing tremors happening now. Um, everyone knows it's going on. And they've, they've really been going on for decades. There's been that sort of aftershock that keeps going on. Many people inside and outside of, of healthcare say is, When's that big one really going to strike? When's it going to shake everything up? And 
if we tend to lean on those rigid foundations, on those protocols and those processes that that are there, we're we're really setting ourselves up for the worst case scenario on there. We're looking for things, the infrastructure to start fall to fall aside, the same as it did in the big earthquake that that happened in California. But if we look at it differently and we take take the pro- proper systems in place. And, and more importantly, allow the frontline people, the people that have experienced these shakes, they know what's going on. Give them the flexibility to consider all of the factors that are there and in each and every individual situation. Then we'll find no matter how severe those, those tremors are, they're not going to have the same effect. They, they won't give the same impact. They won't be as severe an outcome. I know it sounds a little bit mad, a little bit crazy, but maybe we need an earthquake. So... Look, here's, here's what I mean. So if some changes in healthcare tend to be quite quick, um, and we know they don't last, they're a little bit like having a forest fire that scathes through the earth and scorches everything, raises it to the ground, and then temporarily it's just a barren landscape. And then the vegetation starts to grow back. But the trouble is that with... We add that in and we have healthcare, which tends to progress like a glacier. It's that slow melt that goes through. And the basic model of a hospital treating patients for money hasn't changed at all in, in more than a century. So the, the characteristics of a forest fire or the characteristics of glacial movement or a river flowing through, uh, through a valley and and making change are quite different than an earthquake. Yes. An earthquake is drastic change. Drastic change is transformation. It's quick, it's sudden, um, sometimes it's anticipated, sometimes it's not, and the changes are permanent. It doesn't have to take 50 years. We don't have to wait on others to make it happen. We make it happen. Right. The most effective way that we can initiate this t- this type of dramatic uh, transformation is by shift, shifting from evidence-based practice to practice-based evidence, or actually both use evidence and practice. And and you're right because evidence-based is more of a an impersonal cookbook approach, and using that is determined to take it away from that intuition at the bedside. Practice-based is is unwritten. It's it's up close. It's the story of that person's life and utilizing that story. Now, our method utilizes both of those, with an emphasis on the observance of of those warm bodies, of those patients that are there. So, physicians like yourself, you bring a lifetime of experience into practice and the evidence that's associated with that, and. You shouldn't be beholden to sort of random clinical trials and structured tests that are outside of that experience that's there. That equates to a more dogmatic approach, dogmatic procedures that that really don't apply to each individual specific case. So it was interesting. Um, If you remember at one stage, we had um, a hospital executive and they stated to us that we were trying to move a pathway through and there was almost a dictate of just tell the physicians how to do it. Just tell them what to do. So when you do that, you might as well be chasing the wind. Um, protocols might change briefly. They will certainly be changed reluctantly, but there'll be no seismic paradigm shift. That just won't happen. 
anesthesiologists at one hospital developed a way to reduce the number of surgery patients who were on vents for more than 24 hours. But those particular doctors weren't empowered to lead and deviate according to the specific patient risks. And after a few months, everything just petered off. It, it, the old ways just came back. They, they prevailed right the way through. So this is part of the problem. We have formula-driven MBA-type processes that are there, and they inhibit the type of spontaneous change that we really need to, to motivate and get a sustained level of change. I think of uh, the United Kingdom and the United States, two great teams separated by a common language. Yeah. Healthcare, it can be a similar situation. To an administrator, risk is equated to finances. To physicians, risk is equated to a patient's health. Right. Which should be done neither from the seat of, of seat of one's pants, nor from predetermined cookbook recipes. Is is the care that that we um, we will give, expect we give yeah. to patients. Yeah. So if we think back to the chef again, he or she creates the dish using the best ingredients and personal know-how. But now we want that chef, hey, write down um, what you did so that we can reproduce it, so that the change can be sustainable, so that we can continue to do what's what's best for the uh, for the palate and the patient. Right. So with that, we have to empower the front lines, trust the physicians and nurses who are embroiled in healthcare by embrace the value on the front line that they bring with each and every patient, empower them to design the best methods, remove obstacles that they identify from the, their work, and then hold them accountable. By changing our approach to chest pain, um, we've seen changes in the way physicians treat patients, the way the hospital um, functions and flows. We've seen a change in how patients are connected to the outpatient and are not lost to the abyss, but actually connected with a physician that uh, continues the care and uh, keeps them at the low risk stage. Um, we've seen dramatic change in uh, the approach to other, the treatment of other diagnoses. Um, so it all comes back to proactive preparation. An earthquake may happen, and if you do nothing, you're doomed to suffer the same consequences and the same devastation in the future. Right. If you take advantage of that earthquake, learn from it, um, create flexibility, have a firmer foundation, have a stronger pipeline, have a plan, by being proactive rather than reactive, we can actually handle the upcoming earthquakes, uh, either literally or the drastic change that comes in healthcare uh, more easily, more productively. Uh, the earthquakes are coming. The landscape of healthcare is going to change dramatically. We're ready, are you? It's time to wrap up this episode of Transformative Healthcare, a limited edition 14-part podcast series. I've been your host, Todd Chobatar. To discover other great resources to help you feel whole in mind, body, and spirit, visit us online at adventhealthpress.com. And while you're there, remember to sign up for our free newsletter that includes healthy living tips, leadership wisdom, and regular giveaways. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, where the authors will be talking about disruptive innovation 
roadblocks to meaningful transformation, and heating water with a blowtorch. Thanks for joining us.